Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. This week's episode is about one of my favorite bands, which is the Foo Fighters. Honestly, I didn't think that I would be recording two episodes based off of two different Foo Fighters projects. But here we are on the second Foo Fighters episode. Of course, the first one that I did was for their film Studio 666, which was a very fun horror comedy with music thrown in and a great throwback to those band films of the 60s and 70s. This episode will be about their documentary that I personally feel is excellent. But before we get into anything, it's time we announce the movie. Starring The Foo Fighters and directed by James Mole, this is the 2011 Foo Fighters Back and Forth. This is a documentary about The Foo Fighters and how they came to be. As many of us know, the band Foo Fighters was born out of the death of Nirvana. Of course, you could say that Nirvana never really died, but when Kurt Cobain, their main songwriter, their main creative drive, committed suicide, well, that was the end of the band, sadly. If this hadn't happened, there would be no Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl decided to record some songs himself. He called the project Foo Fighters. He didn't really tell people who it was performing these songs on this demo that he recorded because he didn't want people to associate the fact that Kurt Cobain's death affected him so bad. He intentionally wrote lyrics to songs that were not really pertaining to anything in general. The demo tape and album wound up being a success and the rest is history. Foo Fighters chronicles the entire band's history, which had some lineup changes along the way, and even goes to tackle the firing of their first drummer, William Goldsmith. One of the best things about this documentary is that everybody is completely honest and open. Of course, they might not be completely open, but for the most part, you're getting the actual stories straight from the artists themselves. You get to see how hurt some of the artists still are by different events that happened, such as William Goldsmith when he was essentially let go from the band. Of course, William Goldsmith wasn't actually fired, but he quit after he found out that his drum parts were re-recorded by Dave Grohl. I mean, at that point, you know that you're essentially out, even though Dave Grohl told him that he still wanted him to be a part of the band. It seems like that right there shows how Dave Grohl is a nice guy and he really doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but essentially William Goldsmith just wasn't working out for the sound that they wanted. Of course, things like that are never easy in life in general. Anybody who's ever been in a leadership position, if you have to let somebody go, or if you know that it's not working out in the position they're in, it's never a pleasant conversation. Another example of this in the documentary is Franz Stahl, the guitar player that took over for Pat Smear, with Smear simply not wanting to tour the way that they were touring. The Foo Fighters originally had a very laborious tour schedule simply to become the big band that they are today. You really can see the hurt on Franz Stahl's face when he recounts the memory of simply getting a phone call telling him he's out and that he wasn't really given a reason. It seems like he was happy in the band, however the rest of the band members were not so happy. It would have been nice if the filmmakers would have expanded on it a little bit more through some more interviews, but then again, maybe there simply wasn't a reason. He just wasn't gelling with the band and that's what's 
given to us. So I guess that's the answer that we have to accept. But that's really the one thing that I love about this movie is that, as I stated earlier, it's got that genuine feeling about it. You don't feel like they're BSing us in any way. When Dave Grohl recounts the death of Kurt Cobain, you can definitely see how it affected him and how it still affects him to this day. But it's not just Dave Grohl, we get to see Pat Smear recount a little bit of his experience with Kurt Cobain's death as well. There's lots of little fun tidbits thrown throughout as far as facts and history of the Foo Fighters, such as that time when Dave Grohl played drums for Tom Petty on Saturday Night Live, and how before Dave Grohl started the Foo Fighters, Tom Petty even gave Dave Grohl the offer to join his band. It must have been pretty hard to turn down that offer, especially when it's one of the greatest rock musicians in history with Dave Grohl even saying that Tom Petty is one of his idols. We find out how drummer Taylor Hawkins was hired, along with a brutally honest conversation for when Taylor Hawkins landed himself in a coma due to a heroin overdose. It appears in the documentary it hit even harder considering Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins wound up becoming best friends. And while the Foo Fighters are Dave Grohl's project, it seems like Taylor Hawkins would be the one that would really stand up to Dave and incorporate his own ideas, especially with the recording of the 2011 album, Wasting Light, which the last half of this documentary chronicles. I heard that while Wasting Light is Dave Grohl's idea as far as the recording process on it, supposedly a lot of the classic rock sounds that are on that album came from Taylor Hawkins. That is not covered in the documentary, but it is something that I read about. You also find out how there was an alternate version of the album One by One, which was their third album. It was an album that was recorded at a time when nobody was really too fond of being in the group, and it apparently came across on the album itself when they handed it to the record company. They said, well, we can release it, but we don't know how big of a hit it will actually be. The Foo Fighters were on the verge of a breakup at this point. The surprising thing is, they wound up re-recording the entire album in Dave Grohl's basement in about a week, where the slick, heavily produced first version of that album that nobody really liked cost a couple million dollars to produce. This one here, that they re-recorded in a week, cost next to nothing as far as their production. I know that the Foo Fighters have their detractors of being a crappy rock band and they're not hard enough and this and that. They're too radio friendly. And sure, I can see those as valid arguments. However, you can't ignore the amount of artistry and ideas that the band as well as Dave Grohl actually have and their drive to succeed. One of my big takeaways from this movie with all the hiring and firing and lineup changes throughout the movie is the fact that it's important when you have a band to have the right people there. I think that comes across at live shows, it comes across on albums. There's lots of successful bands out there that constantly have many lineup changes. That usually changes the sound of different albums. One of the big ones I'm thinking of right here is Megadeth. Dave Mustaine made Megadeth pretty much a solo project at this point. There's been lots of lineup changes throughout the years, and sadly, we'll never get that golden era of that band back. While I'm a fan of Megadeth, I'm not a fan of lineup changes. I like there to be a constant same people playing on the album. If you get new blood in there, sometimes that can actually go and 
rejuvenate an artist or a band. However, sometimes it just feels hollow knowing that the same people aren't there. That's just my thoughts on it. When I go to see a band live, I want to make sure that I have the original band that I know that played on those albums playing their live for me. Journey would be another band that is a good example of this. They have, I think, two original members. And while the new singer for Journey is impressive because he does sound a lot like Steve Perry, me knowing that it's not the original band just goes and takes something a little bit away from the experience. I think the Foo Fighters were lucky to find the right people for the band. While I feel that this is a great documentary, it's impossible to ignore that it feels like a VH1 behind the music special, which isn't really surprising considering VH1 has their name at the beginning of the credits on the Blu-ray. That doesn't mean it's dull, it just means that we're getting somewhat of a Cliff Notes version on the events. This documentary is never once boring. It actually feels pretty quick at 2 hours and 10 minutes. I think it might have benefited from a little bit more stories, but maybe there was no more stories to tell up until that point. I don't need a Beatles anthology version of the Foo Fighters history, it just would have been nice to get a little bit more. But in thinking about it, I never felt cheated with what's presented here. Since we got the initial start and mid of the Foo Fighters career, it would be interesting to see a sequel of some sorts to this one. They did do some interesting things since this film was made, such as their feature-length movie, Studio 666, as well as release an album of all Bee Gees covers. While it was more of an EP, and it was super difficult to get on Record Store Day, which I wasn't able to do, but at least that Hail Satin EP is available through various streaming sources. While some people may make fun of them for doing such a thing, I think that it shows that the band is willing to have fun and play a bit with the fact that they earn the right to do whatever they want. The worst thing about the Foo Fighters' future is the fact that there may be no future. Of course, Taylor Hawkins, drummer of the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl's best friend, passed away on March 25th, 2022. The Foo Fighters have since canceled all of their live appearances for the year, and I can't imagine what Dave Grohl is actually going through considering this happened to him for a second time in a band that he was in. Some people might scoff at that and say, well, he was only the drummer, but no, Taylor Hawkins really was that final ingredient to make the Foo Fighters a great band, in my and a lot of other people's opinion. When you would go to see the Foo Fighters live, every once in a while you would actually get a Taylor Hawkins sung classic rock song with Dave Grohl taking over the drums. It was definitely a fun thing to experience and also showed that he was much more than just a drummer. I feel like Taylor Hawkins truly was the heart of the band and I really don't know how you can replace somebody like that in the band. If the Foo Fighters are done at this point, I guess they can look back and say, hey, we had a great career. And for everybody that likes conspiracy theories, Taylor Hawkins died on the same day that the fictional metal album from their film Studio 666 released. Does one have anything to do with the other? No, it's just strange, that's all. I don't doubt that everyone would move on to different projects and maybe different kinds of music. It's just a shame that one of the few modern rock bands that is still kind of keeping that flag going that is essentially still relevant might no longer exist. 
So it kind of goes without saying, if you're a fan of the Foo Fighters, rock documentaries, or documentaries in general, I would highly recommend you checking this out. If you are a Foo Fighters fan, then of course, you probably have already seen this. I've seen this a couple times myself. On my rewatch, it was just as good when I saw it the first time. After this film, Dave Grohl released the album and HBO documentary series called Sonic Highways, so I highly recommend that as well. So, hopefully the Foo Fighters are not done, but if they are, at least we have years of great music and some pretty awesome documentaries as well as movies that are nice highlights of their career. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends about it, for that matter. Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. But with that being said, be kind and good night.